Welcome to Back to My Garden. Discover your passion for gardening. Here's Dave Ledoux. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world when you listen to this. I'm Dave Ledoux, and welcome to another episode of Back to My Garden. And we have a completely unique story today, folks. Julie encourages all gardeners to embrace heirloom seeds. The flavors that come out of her garden are unique and incredible. Julie and her husband, Scott, run Annie's Heirloom Seeds, a no-GMO heirloom seed company. They grow some of the rarest and hard-to-find varieties on an island in Lake Michigan, as well as working with a team of partners across the U.S. and Europe. We have a ton to discuss been looking forward to this all week. I want to welcome to the show uh, Julie Slazak. Hi, Julie. Hello. I'm glad you're here. It's good to be here. Uh, for those of you listening around the world, Julie and I are going to sit back and relax, talk about gardening for the next 25 minutes. Julie, I gave you a brief introduction. Can you take a minute or two and share with the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into gardening? I am a city girl by the way I grew up in town, my mom's family are farmers, but at one point I'm a relative, I have a lot of health problems and we were living in Chicago and we were just looking for something to get better and kind of fell into the idea of farming and we ended up moving to a small farm in Michigan and started growing things and growing things badly and having lots of failures and a few successes, and through eating a lot of the food that we grew, uh, started to get better and regain my health. And so our journey to uh, becoming farmers and doing seeds and was a roundabout way through trying to get regain health and get a different lifestyle. Outstanding. This is going to be an awesome podcast. We'll never fit it into one show. But for those of you listening, I'm going to take all of the notes that Julie shares, all the links and resources. Please follow Julie on uh, Twitter, on social media, at Annie's Heirlooms. And you must bookmark their uh, store and site at www.annie'sheirloomseeds.com. I was telling one of my friends, Julie, that you grow seeds on an island and they actually struggled to believe me because they think of most seed companies as, you know, giant industrial operations. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit, maybe we'll start with the story of Annie's heirloom seeds? Annie started because I, um, I went to a talk from an Amish man about gardening because I was not, I wanted to garden and I didn't know how. And I was going to anything I could get to learn how. And he said, you must grow heirlooms. They taste better, and he had a friend who had a um, bricks meter, which is measures the sugar content, and he said the heirloom will always have a higher sugar content, and that means it tastes better and it has more nutrients. So you want heirlooms. So I went home, got on the Internet, and tried to buy heirlooms, and I discovered how hard it was. And I ordered a bunch of heirlooms, and some of them came dead. The seeds didn't grow. Some of them came so late I couldn't plant them that year. And one company wouldn't even take my money because their credit card system was broken and they wouldn't talk to me. And I got really frustrated with how hard it was to get heirlooms. And over the course of the next year, I started growing some and selling some of the seeds to my friends. And I decided that I wanted to make 
heirloom seeds available and accessible to people. And so I would start a company that got rid of that bad, that the frustrating part of getting them. I would handle that. I'd find where to get them, and I'd grow some. And then I'd make a company that made sure the seeds were good and shipped them in time for you to be able to plant them and took care of all that frustration I had with just finding them. Outstanding. You know, you were winning a lot of fans from my listeners because you're admitting that you're not the world's most professional gardener your first year in the business. And I think a lot of people have had a similar struggle in dealing with maybe uh, less uh, technology-adverse seed companies. It's 2015. You can go on annieshairloomseeds.com and uh, place an order. Do you only ship in the U.S., though? Uh, We just started shipping to Canada this year. Outstanding. Okay, now I'm listening. (laughs) Um, I happen to be in love with tomatoes and peppers. Um, If I'm brand new to heirloom seeds and I'm just getting into vegetable gardening, where do you generally advise beginners to start? We have a beginner's uh, garden collection that is, if you don't know what to start with, those are five different vegetables that are all really easy to grow, that even a a kid, you throw the seeds in the ground, they will come up. Um, It's a zucchini, some lettuce, radishes, beans, and cucumbers. Those are all your really easy, rewarding vegetables. I always say plant what you want to eat because you're not going to tend it if you aren't excited about it. But there are some vegetables that are a little more challenging. Tomatoes and peppers, you typically have to start um, indoors and transplant. And those can be more challenging. And sometimes if you're really new, go buy plants started at the nursery. It's hard to find heirlooms that way. That's the real hard part. Um, Carrots are more challenging. They require a lot of water and they're slow. So I don't recommend starting there. And But, you know, a lot of those beans are really easy. Anyone can grow beans. They don't even require a trellis if you have a bush bean. So that's kind of where I say, say to start. Beans and lettuce and um, zucchini is quite easy. The squashes usually come up and they're big plants and big seeds. So that's kind of where I'd say to start if you enjoy eating them. I love it. Uh, for the listeners listening in urban cities who have patio gardens, you can't beat Fresh vegetables, even if you live in the city. Uh, I noticed you have a coupon program called Try Annie's. Is that still valid? Yes, it is. So, listeners, if you go to uh, annieshairloomseeds.com and you place your first order, you put in the coupon code Try Annie's, and you automatically qualify for a 5% discount. So that's a great way to get your uh, toes toes wet. Um, you're busy running your seed company. I wanted to ask you, what kind of a year did you have last year? It was a weird one for weather, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was a really good year for seeds. Um, we find that when people are sitting at home in the snow, that um, they tend to dream, and that makes for a good good uh, year for gardening because people are excited and uh, planning their gardens. It may not always be the best year for growing it, but it's a good year for planning it. You should see our uh, dining room table, Julie. We got like graph paper everywhere because we use a lot of raised beds. Oh, yeah. And so like it looks like a NASA military operation. Every square foot is planned. And uh, except we always end up changing it at the last minute. But Oh, you always end up changing it as it goes in and it never goes how you expect. 
Uh, for the listeners who are not familiar with the term heirloom, uh, I know it's a loose designation or a loose uh, definition. How would you describe to a new listener what an heirloom seed is? What qualifies it? We have a definition we try to hold to. First of all, they must be open pollinated. That means that when you plant your seed and you save seeds from that plant, if it doesn't cross-pollinate with another variety, that you will get that same variety, and it will be the vegetable the next year, and successive generations will be the same vegetable. Hybrids are ones where they take two, like heirlooms, and cross them together, and then you've got a mixture. The first generation you get 50-50 and very reliable, but if you take that 50-50 and mix it, you'll get somewhere between 75 and 25 of the grandparents, and you don't get reliable um, and that's where we say it's not true to its parents and it's not open pollinated. The other thing that we have a definition for heirloom is that they have to be at least 50 years old. That means they've been around, they've been breeding them for that variety for 50 years, so you know it's been kind of tested by time. Outstanding. My neighbor's garden is probably 100 feet, no, I was trying to use metric there, 100 meters from my garden through a fence. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of keep your varieties a certain distance apart so they don't cross-pollinate? It depends what your intent is. If you are saving seeds from them, it depends on the vegetable as to how it pollinates, as to how far they need to be apart. Um, Beans and peas are perfect flowers, and tomatoes mostly, and so the flower pollinates before it opens, so it doesn't matter. Um, squashes can be a quarter of a mile because bees pollinate. And it doesn't matter if you're just collecting the vegetables from it in most cases because you're not eating that seed. So if you plant your squash, you're eating the fruit. That seed doesn't matter what the genetics in that seed is unless you're saving that seed and planting it the next year. Corn, on the other hand, you're eating the seed heads is what you're seeing on that cob. And so when it cross-pollinates, it actually comes out as different. So if I plant a blue corn next to a red corn and they cross-pollinate and corn is wind-pollinated, so it's got a two miles that it, the pollen will travel, you can have blue and red corn mixed up on the same ear if they're tasseling, which is pollinating at the same time. Amazing. Uh, my intent, you had asked what my intent is. My intent is to eat as much as I can every summer. And just, we grew 22 kinds of heirloom tomatoes last year. Oh, that's, they're wonderful. Every color, uh, I, I, though I did notice, like, um, the early pioneers must have been awfully skinny. Because some of those heirlooms, they just don't produce in the kind of volume of fruit that, say, an industrial GMO seed does. But the cardboard <laughs> horrible flavor in the store compared to a homegrown heirloom there's nothing like it is there oh there's nothing like it and i it depends on the variety as to the yields i that's one of the beauties of heirlooms is they were collected by a person in a family usually that kept it for their their reason so some of them they kept it because it was beautiful or delicious and they didn't need lots of tomatoes and others needed lots of tomatoes and when you pick what you breed for you sacrifice something. You have to make choices. You're not going to have everything in one tomato. So if you want yields, frequently you sacrifice some flavor. And that's why the heirlooms are so great versus the hybrids for a home gardener, because they are normally 
developed by home gardeners for home gardener reasons, whereas a lot of the commercial varieties are done, they're bred for big factor, or, you know, big farms. So how well does it travel to market? How long does it keep on the shelf? Things that a home gardener doesn't really care or want. And so they've sacrificed flavor for shelf life. And we don't want to sacrifice flavor for shelf life. We, you know, I, it has to go from the garden to my table. Nice. And that's the beauty of heirlooms. Uh, can you paint a picture for the listeners, Julie? Uh, a lot of city dwellers listen to our podcast and they grow on patios in their apartments and backyards. You live in a little slice of paradise. What's your operation like? Well, I, I live on um, 40 acres on an island in the middle of Lake Michigan. Um, the farm is, there are only 250 permanent residents on our island. So there's not a lot of people, and it's a lot of wildlife and a lot of space. But it, the soil is not terribly fertile. Actually, it's really bad. And so I end up doing a lot. We're moving to raised beds and container gardening as a necessity while we build our fields up and get the soil fertility up. So I do a lot of city kind of gardening because I'm forced to because I don't have enough good soil yet. Wow. And, and so I have a patio of raised beds that this year was were doing beautifully until the geese came and ate all of my vegetables. Oh, no. <laughs> In a hundred yeah. podcasts, we've never had a geese attack. We've had deer and rabbits and slugs, but never a geese. Yeah, the geese actually were tall enough. The ducks weren't. And next this next summer, they're getting fenced out. I'm putting more fences up. Oh, I, wow. I, I had a fence up. We've mo- we moved relatively recently from a farm in the mainland, and um, that farm had a fence up to keep the chickens out of the garden because the chickens will go through and they'll peck one hole in every tomato. That sounds like my garden. <laughs> Uh, deer, oh, wow. And people go, well, how can you have deers on an island, but the deers swim to the island? Uh, the um, island, well, last winter, it froze between here and the mainland, and they walk, uh, oh. they, in the past, have walked across. We have wolves, and we have, uh, I don't think, I don't know if we have wolves, we have foxes and deer. There are no skunks. Well, so, that, that's good news. But somebody, uh, there's stories of somebody bringing a raccoon over. We have raccoons. Hmm. And they get in the gardens. Uh, speaking of your garden, you have some very unusual heirlooms, some hard to find and very desirable ones. Can you maybe just uh, touch quickly on some of your favorites that people need to hear the stories of? Um, I One of my favorite tomatoes is called Corallet. Um, it is a cherry tomato from Russia. And it has, it's only 55 days to production, which is a nice, fast one. It has the richest flavor of any tomato I've ever had. And to have that kind of speed and decent yield, and yes, it's a cherry tomato, but it also, this is what I love. In hybrids, a lot of times you pick one that is resistant to certain diseases. And everyone, you know, looks at this big list of letters afterwards. You pick the one that has the most letters because it's going to be resistant to the diseases. Well, the year I was switching from hybrids to heirlooms, I'd already started a bunch of hybrids, and I had a few heirlooms, and Corallic was one of the heirlooms. And it was planted in the middle of a sea of hybrid paste tomatoes. And that year, we got hit with blight. 
and the entire state of Michigan was hit with blight in such a, it was so severe that every tomato, I, I mean, I'd travel hours away and you'd be chatting with someone at the grocery store and they'd say, you have tomatoes? Can I come buy them? Because there were no tomatoes to be had. And it was later on found to be a strain of blight that was very old, hadn't been seen, and all the resistant varieties were resistant to a different form of blight. So this blight hit everything, whether it was resistant or not. And those corallics planted in the middle of all those hybrids produced for three weeks without a single blighted tomato before it start became susceptible to it, whereas all the rest were just mush. Wow. It, I, I believe that those 50-plus years, they saw it. And it was in the genetics, somewhere in there, that this, this strain they'd seen. And all, in that year, the heirlooms were the only ones that produced any tomatoes. And I got some. And I used those corallics to make uh, sauce and salsa because it was all I had that year. You know, when you share a story like that, I, I generally keep the podcast very light and happy. I mean, gardening is happy, but you kind of get an insight into the how fragile our food system actually is. And um, I know you really state on your websites about uh, being non-GMO. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, one GMO, genetically modified, has to do with the genetics of um, going in and being the scientist, changing the genes and making it resistant to certain things. I'm actually a chemist by training. That was my schooling. So I have a little bit of an idea of what they're doing in that lab. And I don't want any food that's had to be produced in a lab myself. Um, but they've, when in modifying it, I feel that they, they don't know what they've done fully. I don't think they've tested them enough to prove them safe. I just don't trust them. I, it, and so for me, I don't want to deal with these things where they splice something in I've heard of, um, I have a nightshade allergy. As much as I love tomatoes and peppers, in the past year, I've learned that I can't eat them. And they will use, like, a, a gene from a nightshade and splice it into a corn. I don't know how my body is going to react to these combinations of things that I have random allergies to. And so that's one concern I have is what are, they don't know what they're doing, and sometimes they're putting some allergens that some of us have into something that we weren't allergic to. Um, I, and a lot of it, um, the real big concern with GMOs, and one of the reasons why we moved to this island, is that when I said corn pollinates by two miles, well, corn is one of the most commonly genetically modified, and most of the genetic modifications are to livestock feed, the, the, the big crops, not the vegetables that you're going to be seeing. But that blows from that two-mile cross-pollination radius into the corn that we are trying to grow without their pollen. And so it's really hard to avoid. We have a 20-mile lake between us and all of the rest of the farmers. So I'm, I'm really heartened to have such clean air here so that we can grow these old varieties and keep them clean because I don't know what those what what that brings, what all that modification is going to bring. So I like, I want to have this, the tried and true stuff. Nice. Excellent. You know, we have listeners who can't really appreciate what your winter's like. And you and I have similar winters, like a foot or two of snow on the ground and sub-freezing temperatures. 
but I want to uh, make uh, bring you into summer. Here we are coming up into a brand new year of 2015. Uh, what do you think is going to be hot this year in terms of uh, your customers? What are they? Uh, what's popular? What's trending? Uh, what's the next big thing? You know, I'm always trying to guess that too, and I never really know where it's going. Um, this year, as in most years, I've um, been doing some giveaways on Facebook, and tomatoes are always the most popular, and peppers. Uh, so people are really looking forward to their tomatoes and their peppers. Um, we're, I'm personally interested in the companion flowers to help contain uh, bugs organically, and that seems to be kind of a, a popular one, too. So, I, and I think container gardening is, is the next big thing. I think that we're starting to want to grow these cakes, and people in the city have the ability to put a... I, I did it when I lived in Chicago. I had containers on my back fire escape, and any little patch of ground, I'd plant something. Because you want something fresh and tasty that you can't get at the grocery store. Mm. Oh, uh, can we mention your Facebook? Yes. Uh, is it just Annie's Heirlooms? or um, Annie's Heirloom Seeds on Facebook, yeah. Good. Make sure, you, if you're listening, make sure you follow on Facebook. And uh, I love giveaways. Everyone loves free samples. Especially- yes, we're doing uh, TGIM. Thank goodness it's Monday. And we're doing Monday uh, drawings. TGIM, nice. Okay, good. Uh, I just glanced at the clock, and our time is flying by, Julie. And now's the time in the show where we play a game called Five Quick Questions. This is your chance to share your wisdom and experience with brand new rookie gardeners. Are you ready to play? Sure. Question number one. Uh, What's the funniest, craziest, or most outrageous mistake you've ever made in your garden that you're willing to admit to in public? Oh, goodness. Trying to plant peas in a quackgrass field. <laughs> that was my first gardening experience. How did it go? Oh, I spent the entire time weeding and I didn't get many peas. Yeah. yeah, I understand. That's kind of my one of my job titles in the garden. I'm in charge of weeding. Oh, that's good. Question. Well, uh, well, go ahead. We planted our entire, we bought a quackgrass hay field and the whole garden was in a quackgrass and we used the wrong tiller and I spent years fighting that quackgrass. If it had been 30 or 40 years ago, I'm sure there would have been a poison you could have used. Oh, there is one now. I just refuse to use it. I know. Just the change in attitude. Like when I was a kid, you know, my grandfather, he had a poison for everything. Well, my uncle runs the co-op of um, uh, chemicals for all of the farmers Uh that they have. So I'm very well versed in the chemical nature of it. I can understand when uh, you have health issues. Uh, it's a constant, almost like being a scientist to understand what makes your body at its best. Mm-hmm. And chemicals are way down on the list, I think. Definitely. Uh, uh, question number two. If you were only allowed to grow one plant next year, personally, what plant would you have to grow? I have to grow beans. Ooh. Green beans? Yeah. My favorite, yeah. Bush beans or? Uh... I, I typically tend to contender bush bean. Now, for the listeners, you'll be listening to this for years to come, but right now it's January, 
And we just, um, you know, when you leave the, the big long beans on the plant and then pick them in like in late September, October, ours have completely dried out. And that was my job this week was cracking open those pods to take out the beans to grow this year. Perfect. We're learning a lot, like seed uh, saving, um, kind of having a, a little own seed bank of our own. The ones that we liked, we keep more of to grow the year after. Yes, the beans are perfect because they don't cross-pollinate so much. So you will get your same beans the next year no matter where you put them. Beans and peas, tomatoes and peppers. Tomatoes are perfect. Peppers cross-pollinate more. Hmm. Um, yeah, those are your easy ones. Are you kind of uh, eat it all summer, or do you do any canning or preserving? Um, we are a, until we moved here and the soil, we had problems. We were a, we only ate what we grow, grew. Mm-hmm. So a lot of preserving. Yeah. I love it though. Even if there's a power failure, you still have food. Well, yes, it, the canning. We do a lot of freezing too. So nice. we have a generator so that we don't lose our food. Ah, very clever. That's harder to do in the city for sure. Yeah. Uh, question number three is about websites. Internet's a big place for gardeners. Uh, everyone listening should bookmark and go to annieshairloomseeds.com. Do you have any one or two websites, Julie, that you could recommend to our listeners? You know, this is a hard one because I did not learn any gardening from the Internet. I learned a lot of things, most things from the Internet, and gardening was the one thing that I could not find the information I needed there. Mm-hmm. I was very frustrated. So now I'll Google, you know, companion flower, but I usually have to go to five or six sites to get the information I need. I'll just uh, tip off all the, at least North Americans, to go to their local university exchanges. That's your tax dollars at work. uh, You need to know what's going to grow in your You need to find a mentor. Yeah. A friend or a neighbor or someone. It's what I had to do. Like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda or, uh, you know, every great gardener had a great teacher that taught him gardening. Yeah. Uh, but how about question four, a gardening book? Do you have a favorite gardening book? That's another one. We don't have a good, uh, we don't sell one because I couldn't find one. And I've actually been asked to write one. And I've considered it because there is not a good beginner's gardening book that I've found. They all start too advanced or they make it too hard oh julie you really need to especially on heirloom seeds it's 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 that they don't most people don't remember not knowing how to do it mm-hmm. and i definitely remember because i'm actually relatively new to it and i remember all of the things the questions that are stupid that really aren't uh, before I go to question five, I wanted to ask you, did anything just frustrate you last summer in your garden, like give you problems or refuse to grow? Oh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a new farm with dead acidic soil, and um, and the weather was so cold that we had we jokingly said we had three days of summer last year. Yeah. yeah. We have greenhouses started because we can't grow tomatoes without them didn't know any of this it was gruesome wasn't it we had that ridiculous polar polar vortex and then a wet spring and a gruesome july like there was no heat oh and and we you say wet spring when all of the 12 feet of snow we had thawed all, melted all at once 
it created swamp ponds for mosquitoes, and people couldn't go outside. And so we had a war on the mosquitoes, uh, lots of ducks and chickens, and I bought a lot of poultry, and we started mosquito fish traps to catch the, um, to, to eat the mosquito larvae, and we, we won, but it was a bad, bad summer. So there you go, folks. You're talking to the big boss who, you know, if you want to order from a seed company that has a high probability that those are tough, rugged, durable seeds, I can't think of, a, you know, on an island in Lake Michigan. You can't get any more rural than that. I love it. Um, question five is uh, kind of a fun one, Julie. Is there anything you've never grown in your life that intrigues you and you would love to experiment with? Uh, Vegetable-wise, I don't think I have anything anymore because I've grown everything we carry, I've grown, and but we don't have a good selection of flowers, and that's where I'm going this year, is um, those wildflowers and the heirloom flowers. I, I understand the companion ones, but past that, I don't know them, so I'm, I'm looking for, uh, I'm, I'm doing my research, and I'm asking people to find out what I need to what I what I need to learn because I don't even know that. Oh wow. Well listeners, if you have a passion for wildflowers or heirloom flowers, reach out to Julie. Connect with her on Twitter at Annie's Heirlooms. And then uh, everybody should bookmark uh, Annie's Heirloom Seeds.com. Take advantage of the five uh, percent off coupon at try Annie's. Uh, Julie, our time is flying by. You're an incredible guest. Thank you. I want you to kind of picture all of our listeners around the world in 60-some-odd countries, every level of expertise from, you know, small rural gardeners to big urban gardeners. I want to give you the last word to our listeners today. Can you leave them with either a note of encouragement or a pearl of wisdom? The one thing I that got me started was the note of wisdom from a man called Joel Salatin who wrote the book, You Can Farm. And that's what started us on our journey. And he said, start where you are. You don't have to have a big plan. You don't have to do it perfectly. You just have to start. So what we got that note of wisdom, and we were living in a suburb of Chicago, and ended up planting some fruit trees and ripping up part of our front yard to plant some vegetables and some fruit because that's what we had and that's where we were. And our goal may have been a farm back in home in Michigan with my husband's family, but we couldn't get there right away, but we started where we were. So just you can go from planting an herb in your kitchen window or a pot on your back deck, just start where you are. Outstanding. Uh, Julie, on behalf of all the listeners, we uh, we wish you and Scott an amazing, abundant uh, 2015. Thank you.